Hey there, welcome to the Big Box PC Game Collectors Podcast. I'm Joel and this is Dan. I'm Dan, this is Joel. <laughs> uh, welcome back everybody. Uh, uh, today we wanted to talk about uh, reproduction game boxes and the many forms that they may take and why they're uh, frowned upon in the collecting community. So if you reproduce a game box for pretty much any purpose, what is the point of collecting big box PC games at all? Just so that you don't have to spend the money on the real thing or just because you've looked for it a long time or is it because you are eventually going to resell these hoping somebody kind of accidentally doesn't realize that they're not legit boxes that you've created? I mean, that's the thing. Uh, collecting by its very nature is not a manufacturing process. Uh, our hobby is to attain things that already exist, not to create things that don't. So if you can't get a hold of a, a registered box copy of Doom, for example, because it's too expensive or it's too hard Commander to find. Something like that. Commander Keen, one of these. Yeah, a super expensive, super rare. Um, making one isn't uh, a collectible process. It's not a collective, an alternative to collecting the big box. At that point, you're better off just saying, okay, well, let me buy some discs. Let me grab the manual if I can and just, you know, figure out a way to display those if you really want them. And if, if you really are determined enough and that's what you feel like one of your crown jewels of your collection will be, well, then save up and just, and just buy them. Because if, if we're getting serious about talking about big box games, we're still kind of um, small fry when you talk to people that are like car collectors, for example, right? Or even something like shoe collectors. I don't know if you've seen those guys. Sneaker collectors. Yeah, there's $300,000 pairs of sneakers. We, we don't really have anything that's that expensive that I'm aware of in our hobby. Mm -mm. So it's it's attainable it's really not like you're saying well this is oh commander keen it's thousand dollars fifteen hundred dollars whatever it is you can get that money and spend it i understand not wanting to spend that kind of money because i certainly don't on games that are that expensive but at the same time i'm not going to reproduce a box to stick it on my shelf i might if i can find something uncommon i actually earlier this morning saw on ebay the EGA release of Maniac Mansion and that was selling as a box only and I would consider something like that because that's cool that's stick that on my shelf I don't have the rest of the game but I paid a lot less than what most people are asking even for the, the EGA version and it's a legit piece of history as opposed to me going and trying to recreate it now we could also talk briefly about somebody like games like Ion Fury or Planet X3 where they're making their own game box but they've actually made their own game which I think is totally legit and totally acceptable. There's also a gray area on uh, something like a few years ago there was a Warcraft Adventures yep. um, a box that was released it was like a repro box but I, it's not even really a repro because 
there was never one produced in the first place. Well, the game wasn't even released, was it? No, it was canceled. So it's just like a um, bootleg, I guess, is a better better word for it. Yeah. So and and you could argue like a vinyl collector, for instance, would argue about the necessity and the 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 legitimacy of a bootleg recording, but it's still it's still at best a gray area for me you know in my personal career a lot of what i do is working with intellectual property and music and there's really no gray area when it comes to me contracting with a company or an artist or something like that there's no gray area like the copyrights are either split the ip is split or somebody's bought out the copyright and the ip exclusively so whoever's the ip holder for these art images or for the source code or for the game itself like you don't you can't just reproduce that without consequences or without you know thinking about well you know what we might take somebody's job literally in my industry in the year 2000 or 2001 was the peak of cd sales physical cd sales and it's literally like I think in 2019, it was around 5% of what it was 20 years before. So that was piracy. And I consider reproducing stuff piracy. And you could say, well, you know, this game was never released and it was, but it's still someone else's intellectual property. Just to say Warcraft, well, that's refers to a giant franchise, which is still very much in existence. I can see why Blizzard may choose not to go after somebody who released 200 copies of the Warcraft adventures, but it technically is a, a bootleg or piracy. Yeah. Was, uh, there's no gray area on the illegality of it. That's for sure. Yeah. So I, I don't understand. We certainly can't condone something like that in a group like ours that we have, but even me personally, I wouldn't, I, I don't understand why it's something that you would want to promote and sell you know, take it, take it even a step further, like somebody, you know, using um, emulators to play games, right? You have all the ROMs and it's kind of similar in a way, except, I mean, I guess people do sell ROMs, but, but they're not really very difficult to go find if you're looking for them. Whereas a box itself, a PC game box that's been reproduced, especially something that's been well reproduced to the average person is not really going to be identifiable you know you and i might say this is totally wrong um this isn't the right paper but we've seen it sadly in just the the facebook group enough times to where it's been a legitimate concern and there are enough people asking about how to do it and enough people showing off what they've done that it's definitely a disturbing trend in my i mean it's it's telling that they're not asking how to reproduce like big game hunter boxes right right like <laughs> you know the ones they want to make or do mail order uh, all these games that are super expensive like cam and keen like you said so well, uh, we've seen we've seen reproductions of really really rare games too like um it's the uh it was a scott adams game i think that we had seen you could see the photocopy of somebody else's the damage was photocopied in the picture. Oh it, yeah. Yeah. I would say a solid one out of three, um, like baggy games, like original Ultima ones that I see are, are reproductions of some kind, probably. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, you can own that game in terms of you can buy the Ultima collection, which is relatively cheap, maybe 40 or $50. There's a Calabeth included in it. In fact, on GOG.com, a Calabeth is literally f available for a free download. So if you want to play the game, if your excuse is you want to play the game, it's there. You can play it without any restrictions, whatever. And the Ultima games are all available and playable through various means. If you really want that game, uh, let's say Mount Drash, right? Which is really hard to obtain. Just yeah. save up. Do something different with your uh, financial situation. You know, get another job if you want. If, you, if it's really something that's that important to you, you can make it happen. It's much better than saying, hmm, I'm going to make this. And then, you know what? I'll sell a few, offset my costs by selling a couple to people. Like, that's just so... I can't even put myself in the mindset of the person who would put this on the shelf. So I get a lot of enjoyment out of uh, taking these games down, uh, looking through the contents, opening them up, you know, reliving an artifact from my childhood or my teenage years or whatever. Like the experience of doing that with something that I've, that I built uh, isn't going to be the same. I mean, you're basically living a lie at that point, you know? And then if, let's say you, your friend comes over and he asks about what these cool games are that are on your shelf and you pull this thing down and, and, and you've built it, but it's not original. So you're just pulling the wool over people's eyes. Like as a collector, that mindset doesn't even make sense to me. It shouldn't really exist in what we're doing. I mean, that's we're the, the literal point of collecting is the pursuit of some games, especially ones that are very difficult to obtain or nearly impossible to obtain. Like our friend uh, Enrico is always after games that are seemingly impossible to obtain. Yeah, um, he, he puts the work in, you know? He put the work in, and in, in many cases, he he scrimped and saved and put the money up to buy them. <laughs> yeah. You know, with people knowing what they were valued at or what they were worth. It's just not something that I get. I get it, especially if you got a game and you're like, oh, well, you know, I wish it was in better condition and this and that and the other. But the reality is you're then not collecting. You're simply becoming reproducing. What are you? You're a manu like a manufacturer of fakes, essentially. You know, you're no better than somebody that's selling fake Rolexes in, in Times Square or uh, fake Gucci bags or, or Louis Vuitton bags or whatever. It's the same kind of thing to me. Yeah. And what kind of goes hand in hand with this uh, particular topic is uh, something that's, uh, I think, even more prevalent than recreating the actual boxes, which is uh, recreating the seals of the shrink wrap. Uh, Reshrinking is what we call it. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, we talk about being everywhere. Um, then there's a lot more reasons why people would would do this. Uh, most of the reseals that you encounter out and about were actually done by retail stores uh, back in the day when they would get a return. Uh, they would reseal it using a, a, a re-shrinker that they had there at the store and put it back on the shelf. So uh, not even all the, the reseals you encounter are going to be like nefarious necessarily. But there, I've also seen other people uh, who want to re-shrink their games for, quote, protection, unquote, which is a horrible idea. Uh, shrink wrap is not going to protect anything. It's actually going to actively damage uh, the box. And then, of course, there's people who reseal them trying to uh, uh, increase the value so they can sell them. 
Uh, I can't really seen that firsthand for certain. Yeah, there's been people in the Facebook group who have uh, tried to do this for profit. And And, sold, uh, traded and or sold extremely, I would say, not rare games, but rare to have them sealed to even people like the creator of the original game and trying to pass off a fake to them. And then, of course, that didn't work out. And that's part of the reason that they were exposed. But yeah, let's talk about on the positive side of this. As you said, re-shrinking or shrink wrap and resealing your game is really no way to protect it. If you're yeah. talk about game protection, one thing, actually two ideas that I got, and I think they both came from um, Kevin, was to use comic book or magazine storage bags because yeah. those are literally built to protect things like paper, um, photographs, and they don't have whatever contents in them that are potentially damaging and harmful to your boxes. So you can stick those around the games. You can tape them up. You can put a little bit of um, desiccant or, or uh, I forget what they call it. Silica, silica. Is it oh, those old gel bag. Yeah. Those little things that eat up the moisture. Yeah. If you're worried about moisture, you can add that into the box. And even one of the magazine bags, they're not exactly sealed, but you can kind of tape them up so they look very nice. Occasionally, people see the games on my shelf and they say, oh, that seal is... No, it's just a magazine bag, you know, there for protection because the game's in really good condition or I don't want it to get worse or whatever. So that's one way. And then another, there's the, um, the comic book bags with the boards that I've actually been using. On, I think this is also Kevin's suggestion to protect hint books. Oh yeah. A lot of times clue books and hint books came separately. So if you want to protect those, that's a nice way to do it. And then it's also easy to kind of go through and see what you have. And those, those methods to me are very useful and helpful ways of protecting your games. If you really want to go out on a limb, you can buy those. um, The, they're like the plastic things that the grading services use. I'm not even sure what they're called. Yeah, I don't, we just call them slabs. Slab. But uh, yeah, I don't know which, what the ta- acrylic, acrylic cases. Acrylic. Yeah, acrylic. You can really go out on a, a thing and buy those if you want. You don't need to get them graded to get those slabs. They're much cheaper to not get them graded and just buy the slabs themselves. Yeah, I would only invest in something like that if I had like a, you know, a drash or something. Yeah, if you want the ultimate protection for something that's just completely rare, that's a good idea. And look, I get it. Drash, there's what? Uh, a handful. 14 or 15 worldwide known copies or something like that. Yeah. So I get it. That one might be rough to try to obtain, but I know Eric did sell his a year or two ago, so it was for sale at some point. They, do, they will come up for sale. You just have to be ready to uh, engage and... And, and spend the money because they're not certainly not cheap I, but i would think those are probably about as expensive as it gets for our hobby and and still talking about other things like even nintendo nes games and things like that those are a lot potentially a lot more expensive you're not getting a sealed copy of uh stadium events for any kind of cheap money or even some of the neo geo aes titles and a lot of those have have gone up in value i guess recently man i bet they're i bet the nintendo folks are having 
serious problems with uh, uh, box reproductions because oh, there's a huge, huge problem with it. Huge. Those Nintendo boxes are so much easier uh, to manufacture. Well, they're um, standardized. The size yeah. is standardized. So, yeah. I've seen I've seen people selling plenty of people selling fakes and reproductions on eBay, even though it's against eBay's terms of service. Um, but it is it is something that's much more common. And sometimes what happens there is they'll actually write reproduction on the box. Yeah. But to me, again, it's still the same, the same thing. You might as well just buy those um, bit boxes or something like that and just stick them in a piece of plastic because. Yeah, I can say at the very least, that's at least less shady um, to communicate to someone that it's not. I just, I just don't understand the appeal of wanting to, to get one. I don't, I, I don't either. I don't collect uh, console like I once did, but when I was collecting console, I was buying complete in box NES and I was particular about having the right, correct manual and the correct cart in the correct box because there's variants. Of course, when I started collecting PC more and more, the variants are kind of out of control. There's so many variants and some single, you know, one game might have, 20 plus variants whereas yeah, it's almost impossible to keep up with yeah and, and and actually it's i think it is impossible especially with sierra games and i think you can listen to some of the previous podcasts and and understand about what's going on there they can't even catalog all the variants and sometimes they aren't even proper variants they're just sierra ran out of blue discs so they use white discs sierra ran out of white discs so they used you know gray discs or whatever it was uh, they would just use what was there. I guess Ken Williams was a master of just saying, okay, we're not going to lose money on this. We're going to just use what we have. Oh yeah. More money. You know, that's why they were successful because of things like that. Yeah. And you, you got to remember uh, uh, that their business wasn't producing things that were meant for collectability. Well, now with collector's editions, I think that the game makers have basically caught on, but the number the basic uh, function of these things are selling is to play the games. Uh, see, I, I doubt Sierra Online or, or Origin or any of those folks would have ever in their wildest dreams uh, thought that people are, would be actively collecting this stuff and selling it for a lot of money. Uh, I very so. much doubt it. And even, even with a collector that would be really recognizable like John Romero, I don't even think back when he was starting you know, his career in the late 70s, early 80s, he did keep all of his stuff, but I don't think that he kept specifically boxes and editions of various games that they'd released over the years. He may have some of it. I believe he has all the, the things like the source code and design documents, which he would be the only person that would have possession of something like that, but certainly not all the boxes and every edition of Wolfenstein. I mean, how could you even keep up with that? There's so many localized releases and different um, ports with doom and wolfenstein that just, it's just unfathomable to be able to keep up with all that not just pc but all the different ports that that game those games got it's pretty exciting they're talking about putting that museum together i, I hope to be able to make it over there one day well to the check museum that out is going is together and currently they have the space but i think the decision now is you know what how is this going to work when is this going to happen going forward because originally yeah. it was supposed to open i think at the end of this well, it was supposed to happen sometime this year, but I know 
since the uh, their game is shipping Empire of Sin, it's going to be it was going to be originally delayed before obviously all the uh, other chaos with the pandemic that's been created. So your guess is as good as mine there, but I'm sure they'll keep us posted. All right. Well, I think that just about wraps it up. Um, uh, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, we hope to do this a little more uh, often these days with the quarantine and everything. We have a lot more free time, so I'm going to try to get a lot more of this kind of stuff out. Um, so thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one.